with us this morning. This is something we planned back in early March. And uh, of course, the happenings there in Nepal has caused us to kind of reach in. But uh, I know this, uh, he, there's needs in Romania just like there are in Nepal. And so if you would like to give to the needs that he's mentioned here and some of the ministries that Florine and Simona, his wife, are doing, uh, you can also, on that same offering envelope, put Romania on there and we'll make sure it goes to the ministries there in Romania. And so I do want to thank Florine for being here with us this morning. Uh, I hate the timing of it all because it does seem like we're stretching you as a congregation, but as you can see, the needs are everywhere in our world. And we still need to continue to reach out. So I hope you'll continue to pray for Florine and Simona as they ministered there in Romania. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. I realize we have um, uh, many college students that come to this service. And I understand exam week starts tomorrow. Our prayers are with you. Uh, thank you for, I'm, I'm impressed that you've taken the time to come worship with us this morning when those exams are hanging out there and I'm sure papers are due. So thank you for being here uh, with us this morning. And I know some of you will be going home and we probably won't see you till August, but I uh, hope you have a blessed summer uh, this summer. Galatians chapter two, we're gonna continue our series of study on the fruit of the spirit. And of course we entitled it, uh, the series, Right. And the reason I did that is because I believe that if you're to ask God, okay, God, what is your goal for my life? Most time we ask, what is, God, what is your will for our life and what direction do you want to send me in? But here's what we need to understand. God is, I believe, more interested in who we are becoming than necessarily what we do. You see, when we become all that he's asked us to become, then we can uh, represent him the way he desires us to represent him in when we do the doing part, okay? So if you were to say, okay, God, what's your, what, what's your goal? I think that he wants this fruit of the spirit, the nine things mentioned in Galatians chapter five, to become ripened and mature in you. Now, here's why we entitled the sermon series, Right. Here are some definitions. They're not on your outline. I gave you these last week. Here's some definitions of the word ripe. It literally means fully grown and developed. It also means advanced to the point of being in the best condition for use. A third definition, maturity in knowledge and discernment. Knowledge and discernment. All these describe what the word ripe means. Now, today, we're going to look at the spiritual fruit, love. If you know anything about the list, the fruit of the Spirit, you know that love is mentioned first. So look at the uh, outline there in your passport. The evidence of being spiritual is not found in the spiritual gifts, but in the spiritual fruit, beginning with the first fruit, love. And we looked at some of this last week. Now, love means different things to different people. However, to truly know love, you must know God. In first, excuse me, first John chapter three, the Bible says we know love because he, God, through his son, laid down his life for us. So really the only reason we know love in the context of what scripture's presenting love, the only reason we know that is because God initiated that love in us. Now, much is said about love in our culture. Matter of fact, if someone were, an, suppose there were aliens out there 
And they were to observe us as earthlings. And they were to look and try to look at what's going on in our world and say, okay, what seems to be some of the hang up there? I guarantee you love. They, they spent a lot of emphasis on this whole idea of love and trying to understand what love is really all about. I guarantee you that would rise to the top. We have poems about love. We have stories about love. We have songs about love. We have chick flicks about love. How many of you men, when it comes to going to see a movie, your wives always win? It's always a chick flicks, isn't it? It's never Arnold Schwarzenegger or, or any, some of you are like, who is that? He was the governor of California who used to be an actor. No, anyway, let's go on. Well, he's not a governor anymore. Okay, that's really predating me. Shut up and keep preaching. Okay, the Bible has much to say about love. Now, just as the world talks about love, the Bible says a lot about love. We learned that God is love. We learned that for God so loved the world. Husbands, love your wives. Love your enemies. If you love God, you will keep his commandments. We are to love, not the world. Those are all statements about the idea of love in Scripture. There's a whole chapter in the Bible on the subject of love. Then we come to the book of Galatians. In Galatians, there are several mentions of the whole idea of love. Now, what's ironic about that is that Paul is writing to a church in which there's a whole lot of false doctrine going on. The reason he wrote the letter was because there were those who were saying ritual is very important when it comes to the Christian life. Matter of fact, they went as far as to say you had to become a Jew and do the Jewish traditions and rituals before you could become a Christian. And Paul is writing a letter and he's basically saying, y'all, it's not about the ritual. It's not about all those things. He's describing it in another way. He says, your relationship with God is, is not complicit upon ritual, but love. Look at what he says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Many of you know this verse. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You keep reading. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse 6. It says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. It doesn't create anything. But faith working through love. It's not about the ritual. It's not about who's being circumcised and who's not being circumcised. It's not about all those things. It's about the fact that there was a love relationship that was initiated by God through Jesus while on the cross and how he reached out to us. We come to Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. That's freedom in Christ. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. When it says it's fulfilled in one, one word, it's, it's the emphasis is the word love. Because the first commandment, what was that? To love, the God with, to love God with everything, all of your being. And then the second part of that is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, skip on down. Look at verse uh, 22. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, what's the first one listed there? Love. It all hinges on the idea of love. Love is mentioned first in the, in the list of spiritual fruit. Love is the foundation or, or the fountain from which the rest of the fruit will flow. If you have not love, if love is not there and you have the other eight, you still have nothing. 
You got to have love. It's the basis for the rest. So if love is so important, let's do several things with it this morning. Look on your outline. First of all, love defined. As we said earlier, the idea of love is different things to different people. Some would say, I love my car. Some would say, I love my dog. For you cat lovers, you would say, I love my cat. I still don't understand that, but I'm sure you do in some way. But anyway... Some would say, I love my food. I like my hostess Twinkies. I, I mean, I, we use love all over the place. How many of you have ever heard this before? I feel that I'm in love. How many of you remember puppy love? Remember puppy love when it first came up in your, in your, in your, in your heart? I remember I was 12 years old and I had my first crush on this girl. And I remember I wanted to buy her the best Christmas present. I, I, she paid, and really, the only thing the girl did is just paid some attention to me. That's all I needed, you know. But, but anyway, and so we began to talk and all that. And, and I remember, and, and can, a 12-year-old, can you imagine, 12-year-old, and tell him my best friend, what kind of guy does this? So I, said, I think I love this girl, 12 years old. But you know what? Did I fully understand what all that meant? I had no, I had no idea. Had no idea. You see, this whole idea of love, we use it everywhere. The, the love we are defining here is much more than feelings and loving things. The love mentioned in verse 22 is not merely human emotion. It is divine in origin. It's divine. When we accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we are responding to and accepting a divine love in our hearts. Now think about that. What, what's happening? I'm responding to Jesus, what he did for me. I'm turning from my sins. I'm placing my faith in him. I'm turning my life over to him. The whole reason I do that is I'm responding to his love for me. Why well, accept it? Why well, receive it? Now, the Bible says in Romans 5, 5, look on the screen. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. Now, does, this, does the scripture say it's been sprinkled in our hearts? It doesn't say that. Does it, does it say that there's, there's a little bit there, it's kind of, no, it says poured out, which means that there's plenty of it and there's more on the way and it's being poured out on us. It's in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So the question is this this morning, do you love others with the same love that you've received yourself? You see, I think that's a very convicting question this morning. I think most of us would say this. You know something I do love a per I do love a certain person. I love this group. I love and, and, and I really feel like it's a real deal. But the question is not all that. The question is, do you love with the same love that you've received from God? That is a big convicting question for all of us. Now, there are three primary Greek words for love. Uh, and I'm going to list them for you. The first one is eros. It's a sensual love. It's, it's a, like a lustful relationship. This word is, is not used in Scripture. It's referred to at times, so it's not actually used. Yet this kind of love is the one that the, our society celebrates the most. How many of you have noticed that? Oh, yeah. And many times, it can become very selfish. And then there's philos. Philos, a social love. It speaks of a brotherly relationship. It primarily describes a love that we would have for friends and, and families and those that we're associated with. 
But the Bible puts great emphasis on this last one. It's agape. It's a spiritual love. It's a sacri- it speaks of a sacrificial relationship. It's God's love. Many times this love is foreign to this world. And by the way, y'all, that's the kind of love that the world is yearning for. And many have never found it. Many times this love is foreign to the world. But agape love, when you think about it, it is a love of the highest degree. There's none higher than the whole idea of agape love. William Barclay wrote, agape love is the spirit in the heart that will never seek anything but the highest good of its fellow persons. That's the whole idea of agape Jesus modeled agape love. The Bible says while we were still sinners, we couldn't do anything for ourselves. We were, the Bible literally says at some point before we came to Christ, we were offensive to God. We were enemies of God. But you know what he did? He reached out above every bit of that and reached into our lives. He introduced to us unconditional love. He brought, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. This type of love is a sacrificial love. It is a giving love. But then we have, look on your outline, love declared. Love declared. How many of you have ever been to a wedding? You ever been to a wedding? Some of you are like, oh, I think I have. Well, if you're married, you've been to one, okay? Let me help you with that, all right? But, but here's what's interesting about that. Standing at that wedding altar, there is, a, there is no greater human love that is declared than that at a, wedding offer, at a wedding altar. I mean, think about it. In sickness and in health, for richer, for poor, till death do us part. It, it doesn't say until it gets tough. It doesn't say until the feelings waste away. It describes a commitment till death do us part. Y'all, that is a, that is a declaration of the highest love. That's what we find there. Now, as it relates to us as believers, what does all that mean? If we've received that kind of love in our hearts, what does it really mean? For, for the believer at salvation, we receive, and there's several things here. Number one, a new constraint. The Bible says, for Christ's love compels us. It literally, it causes us to want to reach out to it. When it's shed abroad, it, it causes us to reach out to it because we are convicted that one died for all. There's also the idea of a new covering. The Bible says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. You know what you could put beside that? Unconditional love. It's not based on conditions. Next, you have a new commandment, a new command. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So, So what kind of love needs to pour forth from our life? the same love we've received, the same love that we've responded to. Next, there's a new clothing. The Bible says, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now think about that. We are to put on love like we would put on clothing. We literally, we put it on. It is the love that we've received. Next, we see love described. Love described. If you have your Bibles, we're through with Galatians. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Many of you know this as a love chapter. 
If you've ever done a study of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know that it is sandwiched, this chapter sandwiched between two chapters that deal with spiritual gifts. Once again, spirituality, based on what we're getting ready to read, is evident through our fruit and not necessarily our gifts. Jesus said it this way. Let me ask you this. How many of you have known people who appeared to be anointed, great teachers of the word, who were jerks. You ever met them? I have. Uh, matter of fact, I might have been that at one time or one or the other. But, but here's what's interesting about that. You don't determine someone's spirituality by how they hold a platform and how they hold someone's attention, even if they're bringing God's word. Jesus said you don't look at them through the lens. Jesus said you shall know them. You will know if they're of the substance of God. If they're, re, if they're living, allowing things to live out through them that God desires them. If they've responded to the love that they've, that they've received outwardly, he says this. You will know them by their fruit, what their life produces. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul is writing. And Paul had a lot to say about spiritual gifts. But right in the middle of those two chapters that talk about spiritual gifts, he writes this in, in, in verse 1 of chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. It, it means if, if it appears I'm anointed and I'm teaching the word and, and all these great things are out there, and, but I, it's not motivated by love, it is lacking goes on, verse 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. There's nothing there. Verse 3, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned, dying for the cause, but have not love, it profits me nothing. It's, it's similar to what Solomon wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes, of Ecclesiastes. All through that book, he says, it's all in vain. It's all vanity. He's saying that about those things that we do, if not motivated by love. It's literally, the word there is it's a vapor that becomes nothing. It becomes nothing. This verse identifies the problem. Paul was saying that they had the gifts, yet the church and their lives were a mess. Why? Because they had not loved. Their motivation was wrong. Listen to this. Their love was restricted to what they could get in the relationship. Another way of looking at it, agape love was not a part of their life. It didn't, agape love didn't define who they were. It's not what people saw in their life. So what is agape love? How is it expressed? Well, that's what verses four uh, down to uh, uh, verse eight is really all about. Look at what it says. Love suffers long, meaning is patient. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are disappointed that they put that one first? I am, because that's the one I struggle with a lot. <laughs> but it's right there. It's the very first thing. First thing you see coming out of the gate. It says love is kind. Love cares for others more than themselves. Love does not envy. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. It's satisfied. Listen, it literally means it's satisfied in the relationship. I know a lot of people who try to look outside their relationship, whether they're trying to look outside the relationship they have with God or they're trying to look outside the relationship that they have with their spouse or whomever, and they're looking for satisfaction outside of those things, and that's not where we're going to find it. We may find a fling, 
Or we may find something that may be there for a moment, but believe me, everyone who's ever experienced that knows that it just kind of disappears. <laughs> and it's not what you think it is. And, and so it says, it does not envy. Love does not boast. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't hawk honk its own horn. Love is not proud. It's not defined by pride. It's defined by humility. Love is not rude. Love doesn't force itself on others. It's courteous. It's not always butting in. Love is not self-seeking. It's not all about me. Love is not easily angered. Here's another way of looking at it. It's not easily irritated. How many of you find that very convicting? Yeah. Love keeps no record of wrong. It doesn't keep score. You probably heard the story. There was this man, and uh, he was asking, he was talking to another man. He said, you know, my wife is very, when she gets angry, she gets very historical. The man interrupted and said, you mean hysterical, right? He said, no, I mean historical. <laughs> Everything I've ever done to the woman comes up. But what are we reading here? It keeps no record of these wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. Listen, when you live in this kind of love, instead of wanting to hear the bad news about someone else, you want to hear good news about them. And by the way, this is where gossip flourishes is when we want to hear the bad news. I love what one lady said. She said this, if you can't say it and sign your name to it, I don't want to hear it. That's a pretty good stand there, isn't it? Love bears all things. Love believes all things, takes people at the word, loves hopes all, hopes all things, is optimistic, it looks for the good in others. Love endures all things. It literally never gives up. Listen, it's committed to the commitment. That's what it looks like when it comes to agape love. Next, we have love desired. Y'all, we live in a world where people are starving for this kind of love that I'm talking about starving for it. I want you to help me finish this. Looking for love, where? All the wrong places. What's love? Y'all a bunch of heathens is what y'all are. <laughs> okay, 1 Thessalonians chapter three, verse two. What is it? <laughs> Some of you making stuff up. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 it's interesting how we tuned into things, but we know what that says. You see, many people see love through cynical eyes. The reason they do is because they've been rejected by certain love. They, they've been hurt by certain love. And many people have given up on it altogether and don't even believe it exists. But it does through Jesus Christ. Madeline Murray O'Hare, some of you are too young to remember this name, but how many of you have heard that name before? This was a lady who was back in the 70s and early 80s and some of the, almost into the 90s, who was trying to ban prayer in school, and she was an atheist, she was against everything that was God. And, 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 and I just want you to know that <laughs> I'm not proud of this. I developed a hatred for this woman. I'm, I'm just going to tell you. I did. I'm, I'm convicted by that now, especially after some other news I found out about her. But I was convicted by that. But she vanished in 1995, and there was a diary. Her diary was found, and in it, she describes financial problems. She, she describes aspirations for political office. But on several, and some people have said many occasions, she wrote this in her diary. Somebody, somewhere, just loved me. 
Somebody somewhere just loved me. She was crying out. Crying out. I was convicted by that when I found out about this because I used to not like the lady overwhelmingly. And I was convicted by it. How about this one? What the world needs now, love, sweet love. I mean, think about that. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, may the Lord make, you, make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. How many of you have ever had to pray that God would give you the love to love someone? My wife told me after the first service, you know, I have prayed that for you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but anyway. We, we, how many of you have had to do that? Did you know that's biblical to do that? To pray that you would have love for someone? I mean, I mean, I mean think about it. it. It is possible for our love to grow for others. Now, in this verse, Paul is saying in 1 Thessalonians, this verse here, that our love needs to grow for two types of people. First of all, a love for believers. A love for believers. Many of them are in our homes. How many of you, how many of you have realized that it's so easy to be the most hateful and irritated when it comes to our closest family members? How many of you notice that, how that happens? How many of you step back and, and are appalled by that to think, how does that happen? But many times that's the case. It, it means a love for your church family. It's a whole idea of realizing that we need one another. Where love is lacking, worship will be affected. I came across this quote. I love this quote. Here's what it says. Our love commissions our worship to God and service to others. Our love commissions our worship to God and service to others. Next, we're not only to have a love for believers, but also a love for the lost. Here's my question. Do you know lost people? A better question is this. Do you love those lost people? I mean, you think about what's going on in Romania, Nepal, Africa, the different places we're connected to as a church family. Right here in Cleveland County, there's lost people everywhere. They're looking for this love that we've, have, that we've accepted, that we've received from God himself. But we need to have a lust, How many, a love for him. How many, listen to this. Technology, do you realize it's creating a culture of isolation, loneliness, and feelings of insignificance? Did you know that? How many of you have ever gone out to eat, looked at the table next to you, saw four people sitting there, and they're sitting there texting all four of them, no dialogue. Nothing's happening there. You ever wondered if they're just texting one another? <laughs> I mean, face it, look at what's happening in our culture. People are looking for a sense of purpose, are looking for a place to belong, but there's disconnections everywhere. And technology, I'm afraid, is, is bringing more and more of that about. And, and, and here, here's why we need to learn, and we hear Gary say it all the time, we need to be connected, you need to be connected to the body. People are looking for love. People looking for love don't come out and say it many times, but their lives manifest it. Bizarre dress, extreme behavior. They have cries for acceptance and love. You, you have to make a conscious effort to, to love the unlovely. And y'all, that's not easy, is it? You ever tried to love someone that you felt was unlovable? But did you know that the same grace and love that reached out to you is capable of reaching out to the worst of those? And that we need to make those attempts. Last week, we said fruit does not grow naturally. 
It doesn't. What do you have to do? You got to plant the seed. You got to nurture it. You, you've, you've got to, to take care of it. You got to, it. It takes cultivation. It takes nourishment. You have to put it all together. And, and guess what? That's when the fruit's produced. And so when we love someone that's unlovable many times, it's not something that, that is just natural for us. We have to cultivate that. We have to nourish the, the feelings towards that. We have to pray for a love for them. But you know what does grow naturally? The weeds that can choke out any, every bit of that that should be in our lives. Now, here's the application. Love is the foundation to all the other fruit. Love is not defined by a feeling, but a decision to commit oneself to another. And here's the question. Do others see the love of God, agape love, demonstrated in and through your life? So here, here it is. Here it is in a nutshell. Is love, biblical love, God's love, same love reached out to you, is it being ripened in your life? To the point that it brings maturity, to the point that you see growth, to the point that you are in the best condition for, for service to be used by God, to the fact that you can discern, you can make certain judgments about certain things in the way because you, you're allowing this whole idea of love to be ripened in your life. And then most importantly, are you loving those that's difficult to love? It's not natural. I'll go ahead and tell you that. You gotta, you gotta cultivate that. You gotta nourish that. That's what you need. Some of you are sitting here and your marriage is in shambles because you haven't discovered how to nurture the love in that marriage. You haven't, you haven't discovered how to cultivate it. It's not something that's just gonna happen. You gotta work at it. You gotta continue with it. And it's very difficult, isn't it? But you got to. That, that, that's the agape love. That's love that's not based on the feeling Listen, if love was based on the feeling, my wife would have left me years ago. You're saying, no, you're being modest. No, she told me. <laughs> but it's not based on that. I'm here. Here's what she told me one time. It's always in the heat of battle when you have these conversations, but I'm here for the duration. I made a commitment to love you, even though it's difficult. <laughs> But that's the kind of love we've received too. Did you know that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your blessings and your goodness. And Father, I just pray for this group that's here in front of me right now. I know that I think all of us are looking for that kind of love that we find in Scripture. And Father, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, they've never responded to the love that we've talked about today. I pray today will be the day they respond to that love. Father, I pray for that marriage that may be just hanging on for dear life. Lord, first of all, help them to realize that sometimes that's all you can do. But Lord, that our marriages, our relationships that mean anything will only become what they can become when it's done God's way. When it's done your way. When it's done in a way in which there's nourishment, there's cultivation, there's work. Because it doesn't happen naturally. It happens with a whole lot of work. Father, help us to realize that. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus who, 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 who came to this world to die for our sins. And while we were still in enemies, while we were still there and, and lost in the lostness of our sin and many times we read in scripture that we were offense to you. Lord, we thank you that unconditionally he reached out to us. 
Father, we thank you for that. Have your way in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? Get ready to sing a hymn of invitation. Myself and two other pastors will be here at the front. Maybe just sneak it around the altar. Whatever you need to do, we're here for you, okay? So if you, if you want to come to know Christ this morning, respond to that love. Or maybe you just want to say, I want to make a fresh commitment to be what God desires to see in my life. Do what he's calling you to do. Would you do that? Would you sing with us?